Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Uh, it is Father's Day, and I hope you're having a wonderful time. Um, it was great to pray over the men and pray with the men and, pray, and to be prayed for. I'm a father. 22 years now I've been a father, and I haven't killed a one of them. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. I was, I was thinking about this, and, and you know, people came to me, and you know, we're in the middle of a series, Loving Our Neighbors, and they said, well, Pastor, are you, on Father's Day, are you going to talk about being you know, a neighbor, or are you going to talk about being a dad? And I got to thinking about this. And I got to think about my life and the things I've learned. And, and I realized something, that good fathers make good neighbors. And a lot of the th- same things that make you a good man, that make you a good father, will make you a good neighbor. It'll help you to love your neighbors because a good father does everything motivated by love. I thought about my own dad. I, my father passed 31 years ago. I realized this summer that I have now had half my life with my dad and half my life without my father. And, uh, you know, and, and I, he was not a particularly religious man, although he, he reconciled with God and gave his heart to Christ before he passed. Uh, there's, there was a, a number of tremendously important life lessons that my father sowed into me about you know, business and how to be a man and, and integrity, a lot of really, really important things. And those, those lessons of my father continue into my life, and I, I'm in my 60s now, I'm, I'm 60, I'm not in my, I guess that technically I'm in my 60s when you're 60 years old, but, but you know, they've had, a, they've had a profound effect on me. And I, and I was thinking about that, about you know, how influential he was, and we are in a time when our culture would like to diminish the influence of men in the lives of their kids, and I don't mean, I, I honestly don't think they're trying to do it consciously, but, but I do think they don't, they don't appreciate how important a father can be in the life of a child, both for the good and bad reasons. And I did a little research on this because I don't want to just you know, get up there and say that. Uh, if you could put this slide up, I found out there's three things I wanted to share with you. That preschoolers with involved fathers have stronger verbal skills than those with less involved fathers. That's from a U.S. government website, by the way. It's statistically true. The second thing I want, I want to share with you is this, that girls who have a close, warm relationship with their father have stronger math skills and abilities. Is anybody, are you familiar with the term STEM? I used to be an engineer at one time, and we would like to get more young ladies into STEM, into engineering and sciences and those things. I'm a great advocate for, for STEM, particularly for ladies' STEM, but I don't think I'd ever heard that statistic before. That one of the things that helps young ladies overcome their, their apprehension of math is, is a good relationship with their father, who may be better at math, although Sarah is very good at math, so I don't know if that counts in my family. But the third thing is this, that boys with highly involved fathers in their life receive higher grades and perform a year above their expected age level on achievement tests. And all of those point to this fact that fathers are extremely important. And I don't even want to get into the data about, about criminality rates or crime rates and, and, and fatherhood, that when, when you have an involved father in your life, you're much less likely to, to go the wrong way. And they've, they've shown statistically that, that when you have a man there, it, it, it helps young men, particularly because that's who we're primarily talking about, learn how to resist the temptation to indulge their baser natures. 
And there's a lot of times that men have had to learn not to punch somebody in the nose. I mean, can I get an amen out there? Or you punch somebody in the nose and you learned that that was a dumb thing to do. And, and you, <laughs> really? I want to hear that story. No, <laughs> but, but you realize that, that, that God, God intended parenting to be a, a, a two-person job. Now, there are millions of single parents who are doing a phenomenal job just because of the reality of the times we live in. So I don't want to degrade any single parents, but the reality is that in, in the best scenario, you have both a father and a mother involved, and you get better outcomes. Statistically, I know there are isolated cases. I don't want to disparage any single parent there. But having said that, I got to thinking about how God feels about fathers. How important is fatherhood to a man's assignment, particularly if he is a father? So I thought about what God spoke to Abraham when he was calling him. If you don't know who Abraham was, Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. Uh, He was the first person in that that lineage that created the Jewish nation. And he was called out of what's basically Mesopotamia and brought over to the area which is now modern-day Israel. And there was a lot of things going on in the culture at that time that that God was was looking to to potentially judge. And he came to to Abraham, though, and he he, he wanted to share with Abraham his heart because there was an intimacy with Abraham. And he said this, should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord said, for Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then if they do what is right and just and keep the way of the Lord, I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. I would argue, maybe argue is the wrong word, I would ask you to consider, if you're a father, that God has singled you out to do exactly what he singled Abraham to do, which was to to replicate your walk with God in the lives of your children. Because there's a similar conversation that David had with Solomon when David was nearing the end of his life, Solomon being his son, David being one of the, the great kings of Israel. And this is in 1 Kings 2, 1 and 4. And it says, At the time of King David's, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must go someday. Nobody gets out of here alive. Okay? Just want to point that out. Take courage and be a man. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Take courage and be a man implying that there was something that went with manhood that took courage. There's some stuff God calls us to be as men that that you can't do unless you you face your fears, and it's almost scary. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, and regulations and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. What an incredible promise. If you do this, then the Lord will keep his promise he made to me. He told me that if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. That's pretty impressive. And there are promises God has given us individually and corporately as 
believers in Jesus Christ, some promises that are universal for everything. There's also things God has spoken into your heart. And they'll happen if we're faithful to do what he's called us to do. And then to invest in our children and to prioritize their faith so that it becomes a priority in us as, as men, as, as husbands. And you can apply this message to, to, to women as well. This doesn't, you know, this isn't just us. And, and how many women know a man, by the way? Just everybody here. <laughs> how many of them need a better relationship with God? Anybody here? Okay. So as we go over this sermon, if, if you don't find it applying to you specifically, I'm sure there's a man who needs it. So you can download it and send it to him. That's a joke. Nobody laughed at that. Anyway, <laughs> so... I believe that the most important job of any father then is preparing his children to follow God. I also believe that the best way to do that is for his children to see him following God himself. They're going to follow what you do more than they're going to follow what you say. And they need to see us take our faith seriously. It's kind of like Joshua. You know who Joshua was in the Bible? Joshua was the, 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 the he inherited the leadership of Israel from Moses. And uh, just like Moses, you know, Joshua had a hard time with Israel because Israel kind of got wacky and couldn't figure out if they wanted to follow God or not follow God, if they wanted to go into the promised land or go back to Egypt. And finally, Joshua just got disgusted with him. He said, you know, look, I'm going to draw a line in the sand metaphorically. And, and he basically came to him and he, and he challenged him. He said, look, do you want to follow God or not? And he said this. He says, so, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River. And in Egypt, serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what Joshua was telling him, he says, look, the culture around us is crazy. They're, 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 they've got all kinds of gods that they sacrifice to. They've got all kinds of, of, of things that they do that are not consistent with what Moses you know, taught us, that God wants us to do. In fact, you can go back several generations and find all kinds of different opportunities. But, but we're supposed to be the people of God. We're supposed to be the chosen ones of God. In fact, God has given us an incredible covenant, and you guys don't seem to care. So I'm just encouraging you as your leader to, to make a quality decision and decide if you want to serve God or not. You know, get over it. You know, there's this wonderful passage in Revelation where it says that I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> but then Joshua says this. He said, look, but wherever you go and whatever you do, me and my house, we're going with God. And that's the, that's the thing I want to encourage you to do. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your brother. Don't look at your ancestors. Don't look at anybody else. Answer this question for yourself. Who will you serve this day? And make a decision for yourself. Because another problem we have in the culture that we have today is everybody justifies their bad decisions on the actions of somebody else. Well, this person treated me this way. Therefore, I get to do something wrong. No, you don't. No, you don't. Put on your big boy pants and man up. Seriously, it's, you don't, quit justifying your actions because somebody else is doing it. That doesn't make it right. Well, we're nice. Who cares? You are an adult. You chose. Now you like me. Don't you guys like me? 
I'll put some humor in here someplace. Somebody will laugh somewhere. But the point of this message is that being a man takes courage. And, and we can't forget that. So then I thought about my own spiritual life. Not that I'm perfect. I'm far from perfect. And I asked myself, how, how, how have I evolved as a man? How did I learn to be a man? My dad taught me a lot of things about manhood, but he didn't tell me much about prayer. He didn't tell me much, teach me much about the Bible. He didn't teach me anything about going to church. We quit going to church when I was eight. You know, <laughs> it just wasn't part of our life. So, so where did it come from? And I, I was going over that. And then, then something was brought to my memory. And it, it, was, it was a time in my life where I was blessed to be impacted by a revival that swept men throughout the United States. And it was in the 1990s, and it was a revival that began in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, you're going, really? Can anything good come from Boulder? Yes! <laughs> God can move in Boulder, even today. There could be a move of God in Boulder, but this revival came out of Boulder, and it was led by the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes football team, a man named Bill McCartney. And he called the movement Promise Keepers. Any of you attend any of those Promise Keepers events in the 1990s? I got invited. I didn't even know what I was getting into. Somebody said, you want to go with me? Yeah, I went to Folsom Field. And, and when I went in, I, I, you know, I was kind of skeptical. I was young, you know, and again, it was 30-something years ago. I was like 10. <laughs> I tried. I said I'd put a little humor in there someplace. But, but, but I go in there, and Coach did something that helped me as a man. Did you know that men need things explained slowly and simply in order for them to understand? Every lady in the house is going, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, it's like, you know, that really is why Jesus, he wasn't talking to the ladies and he said, all of the law and all of the teaching of the prophets can be summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That's really for the men who weren't getting it. You know, the ladies already had it all down. They knew what they was talking about. There's no laughter there. We'll keep moving on. It, but, but that's what Coach Mack did. Coach Mack took what it means to be a godly man. What it, and and the, here's the deal. If you're a good man, if you're a godly man, you're a good husband. If you're a good man, you're a godly man, you're a good neighbor. You're a good friend. You're a good employee. You're, you're all of those things. And Coach took this and made it something. He, he had seven principles or seven promises. He said, men, if you will do these seven things, you'll be successful in your desire. And let me just say, men want to be good husbands. Men want to be good fathers. Men want to be good people. They really do. But he said, if you can do these seven things, you will succeed. And so I just want to share these seven things with you this morning. And, and, and if, you know, get out a, a pen and paper, write them down if you want these are the seven promises of a promise keeper. The first makes sense. He said, the first promise is you promise to put God first in your life, to honor Jesus Christ through worship, through prayer, and obedience to God's word in the power of the Holy Spirit. That in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's huge. Because you and I are not going to follow God on our own strength. Because something is going to distract us and tempt us, and we're going to say yes to the temptation. I'm not trying to be silly, but that's just the way it works. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be transformed and renewed, and I can actually do what I want to do. Okay? Well, how do we do that? You begin a lifestyle 
of spending time with God. And to help all of the fathers here today, we have a gift for you. So if I could have the ushers go ahead and hand these out. If you're a father, would you just stand up? We have a gift for you. And when you receive this gift, I want you to open it. Don't take this home. Open it. Okay? Everybody's quiet. You can sit down once you receive your, your gift. You open it. Anybody need help opening it? Do I, should I have given out knives to everybody? I want to thank all our volunteers who wrapped these. It was not me. Because if it had been up to me, we'd all have been giving out gift bags. That's just, <laughs> that's just the way this works. When they came up with gift bags, I went, thank you, Jesus. That's of God. I don't want to wrap another present. I, I never could. Wally could wrap. I can't wrap. What you're receiving is a copy of a book called Time with God for Fathers. And it's a 90-day devotional. It takes you about three minutes to read and pray over what is there. And I'm going to encourage you, if you do not, as a man, have a daily devotional time, if you're not reading the Word of God on a regular basis, you need to. This is not like, oh, I can be a good dad and not read the Bible. Yeah, not really. Can I follow God and not read the Bible? Yeah, not really. Can I be a good man and not pray? Not really. It doesn't work that way because you're going to be trying to do it in your own strength and you're going to come up short. This is to whet your appetite and also to let you know that it's not that hard to begin some great healthy habits. You start out and you keep, take the first step, then you take the second, then you take the third, then you take the fourth, and eventually you find yourself, hey, this wasn't as hard as I thought. So hang on to this, and we're going to refer to this again. So that's why I had you open those. So that was the first promise. You're going to put God first. The second promise is brotherhood. Say brotherhood. brotherhood. What Coach Mack meant by that is what I like to think of the definition. It is pursuing vital relationships with a few other men, understanding that a man, he needs brothers to help him keep his promises. I would not be faithful to God without the input of a bunch of friends of mine who I've got to know over the years. It is critical to me, to my mental, my emotional, my professional, my, my spiritual health, to have people in my life that I can share the struggles that I have and who can smack me in the head and say, quit being stupid, Reese. <laughs> it's very important. Would anybody like to help me by smacking me in the head and say, quit being stupid, Reese? No volunteers? It's, it's, come on. That's, what, do you know what I'm saying? There's times you've got to have people who are going to hug you and love you and tell you you're okay. And there's times you've got to have some guys say, come on, man up. Man up. You need both. And, and, and men are not designed to succeed by themselves. And in fact, I would say there is a depth to your relationship with God that will be released when you discover how to have a healthy spiritual relationship with another man. Okay? And that's why in this church that, that we believe in what's called relational discipleship. And that's why we encourage our men to get involved in our small groups. In fact, we have some, some specific groups that are targeted towards men alone. These are, these are just for men. In fact, they're putting a video up, or a screen up. You can see that every Monday night, we have a discipleship group that meets from 7 to 8 p.m. upstairs. Wonderful group of guys. You, you, if you will invest an hour of your week to come and be with those guys, it'll change your life. I promise. I promise it will change your life. If you'll do it for three months, You'll wonder how you got there without doing it. And people say, well, I can't get to the church. Great. we got a Zoom meeting at 7 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. 
Don't tell me you can't get it to your lap. You can't get to your laptop, okay? You can get to your laptop. And I appreciate 7 a.m. is early, but you will not die if you wake up. I mean, you, you won't. And then we're going to give you a couple of events that, that we think would be good for you. There's a, there's a men's hike coming up. And ladies, we promise to bring them back. There's a men's hike coming up on the 15th of July. You do not have to be a father or a husband. Any man will do. You, you know, just come out and they're going to hike and they're going to fellowship. And it's, it's, again, a spark to initiate relationships because we believe in relational discipleship. And then you really need to put this on your calendar. October 7th, our third, I guess it's not third annual, but it's our third day with God. And this is where we ask our men to, to go to, a, to a, a, a retreat center. They don't actually stay overnight because how many men like sleeping on hard, uncomfortable cots? No, I, I realize somewhere in my mind that, you know, hey, we don't need to stay overnight to encounter God. So these guys go and they spend a day dedicated to God and they have some teaching, they have some meditation time, and it's tremendously transformative. And it'll help draw you into closer relationships with God by creating relationships between like-minded men. Brotherhood. So you got to have it putting God first, having spiritual relationships. The third is integrity, practicing spiritual, moral, ethical, and sexual purity. I'm going to say something. You can disagree with this. It is my belief that because this is a difficult goal to obtain, and it is hard, it's hard. In fact, how many? Oh, don't show your hands. But, but spiritual, moral, ethical, and sexual purity, I'll guarantee you that every single man in this room and watching online has failed to meet those four standards at least some point in their life. So, because it's difficult, that means you've lied to somebody. You have. Keep it simple. But because it's difficult, the culture we live in says, therefore, the standard should be changed. It's not a fair standard. So we need to redefine what integrity is. We need to redefine spiritual integrity, moral integrity, ethical integrity, sexual integrity. We need to redefine those because, well, so many people fall short of the mark. And my opinion, and you can disagree with this, is that's a bunch of hooey. That's a bunch of hooey. Yeah, it's hard. I get it. It's hard. But that doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. And it doesn't mean that I would be a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better whatever, the closer I come to accomplish, accomplish, thank you, that <laughs> spiritual, moral, ethical, and sexual purity. I'd be a better man. So let's not change the standard. Let's encourage one another to do the best we can and to tap into the power of God's spirit that will release us from the stuff that holds us back. Because every man's got stuff. Smile at me. <laughs> Number four, family. Building a strong marriage and family through love, protection, and biblical values. The point of this promise is that you can't have a strong marriage and family without love, protection, and biblical values. God loves us. Did you guys know that? Oh, i got six people. God loves us. Anybody know that? Okay. <laughs> How can you tell that God loves you? You take a look at how he treats you. You take a look at what he does for you and did for you. I mean, the first act of love is sending Christ 
to this earth to die in our places. The greatest act of love ever. But how many other little things have God done, has God done for us? Being concerned for all kinds of things. I've been praying for the last few weeks. I don't know how long I'm going to keep on that, that, that as a congregation we're experiencing healing, deliverance, and, and being set free. I'm not sure how long that's going to stay on my heart, but it's still on my heart that those are three words I keep speaking over my own life, over our leadership, over the church. Not sure why, it's just what I've been praying. But, but that's because I think God wants to see all of those things done for us because love is more than emotional, and so should a father's love be. So as we prioritize our families, we need to prioritize protection, provision, Grace, mercy, modeling, all the things that God does for us. Sacrificial living. Number four, family. Number three was integrity. Number two was brotherhood. Number one was putting God first. Number five is servanthood. You will become a different person and a better person when you discover the blessings putting others ahead of yourself and serving other people. As a promise keeper, Coach Mack, you know, he, he, he said this. He goes, look, I think supporting the mission of his church by honoring and praying for his pastor and actively giving his time and resources. Coach was unapologetic about this, that the church needs men, but men need the church. The church needs men. We need... I... I I love and appreciate every volunteer here, but every church in America is female-centric because females are the ones who volunteer and do the majority of the work in the church, and the church needs men. Now, we got a lot of great male volunteers, and I'm, I'm happy for that here at Encounter, but, but I'm telling you, we do need men to step up because they bring a unique anointing to servanthood. When you see men serving, it changes a lot of things, but, but the funny thing is men need the church because they'll never fully evolve to what God intended them to be until they learn to serve others. Because Jesus said that in the kingdom of heaven, there, servanthood is very different than in the world. In the world, it's, it's, you know, you serve me. Those who seek to be great in my Father's kingdom serve others. It's a, it's a juxtaposition. And, you know, th this is powerful. Number six, Unity. Reaching beyond any racial, generational, and denominational barriers to demonstrate the power of biblical unity. Jesus said this, that the two defining characteristics of his disciples would be this. Number one, that they love their neighbor as their self. Number two, that they walked in unity. It's not any other, there aren't any other ones. You can read the Bible. What did Christ say? You know that they are my disciples because of the love they have for others and the unity that the church walks in. Because when they're not out of unity, they're not following my will. I was so grateful to Coach Mack because he began to talk about this, that, that, that we've got to begin to intentionally resist what, what, what is happening in the culture around us. And he was on the front end of a lot of things that are, that are coming to fruition. This is a divisive time. Today, it is typical to isolate and insult. I isolate myself into my little group of people who think like I do, look like I do, whatever like I do, and then I insult everybody who's not part of my group. <laughs> and that's wrong. Now, there's things we can't walk step 
and step with, and you all and I could sit here and debate about what those are. But I'll tell you, there's a lot more unity to be had if the church would begin to model it. Because I guarantee you, I don't expect the devil to stir up the non-church to begin to model love and unity. I'm really not expecting him to do that. I could be wrong on that. My question, though, is will I model it? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Reese, Bowling, as for you, will you model unity? Will you be willing to reach beyond generational and denominational and racial barriers to look for true unity? And will the house you lead, whether it's your personal home or the congregation that you're called to lead, will it do this? And the answer is yes, because that's a priority. We are a diverse community of people who seek God together and share Jesus in love with our city and world. Which brings us to the last one, which was our commitment to community. A promise keeper, a man who wants to be a servant to his family and to, to God, understands that he can influence the world by being obedient to the great commandment, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and the great commission to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our communities desperately need involvement from the body of Christ. I, th there's so much wasted effort trying to make a difference in this world. And partly it's wasted because we have stood on the sidelines and been unwilling to engage in, in outreach. And we're working on some things as a congregation. The Centennial Faith Council, which is a group of, of religious organizations and churches here in Centennial, are, are wanting to do an outreach to the children of, of homeless families through the McKinney-Vento program. We're going to partner with some people and do that coming up in August you know, as far as back to school, but we're looking for other opportunities. Where can we serve? Where can we serve? How, what, what is broken that we can fix? Because there's some broken stuff, right? And the thing that Coach did that was so powerful to me is he said he took these seven promises. He said, look, you know, just take these seven promises and, and kind of put them in the back of your mind. Make them part of, of who you are. And the truth is, I haven't thought of all of these promises every day since I went to my first Promise Keepers convention. In fact, there were months and maybe even years that went by that I never consciously gave them consideration. But 30 years later, after I experienced that first moment with God in Folsom Field in Boulder, Colorado, I see the fingerprints of these seven provinces throughout my last 30 years. I see God shaping my heart, shaping my mind, shaping my worldview because of commitments I made and truths that were imparted to me on that first moment when I went with a buddy of mine named Jim to Folsom Field in Boulder, Colorado. And I went back and went to two other conventions at the Mile High Stadium. So my prayer this Father's Day was that all of us would experiencing something fresh from God. Again, if you're a woman and you're saying, well, do these apply to me? They can, but I guarantee you they apply to some man you know. And they will help us as people evolve and become who Christ called us to be. I love what David, Pastor Dave, prayed over everybody. He said, you know, men, we want to be this, but, but help us, God. Help us to lay aside the stuff that trips us up and, and go where God called us to. This book we gave you is filled with some wonderful, helpful things. But as I was looking through it, 
If you'll turn with me to page three, just page three. There's something called a father's prayer. Can you see this? You guys have it? Ladies, you don't have it. I'm sorry. But it's, it's, the format is, he starts with a, with a verse. And this verse is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's familiar to many of us. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition or supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so then they, they take that and they create a prayer for you to pray. And I looked at that and, and I, I modified it just slightly to bring an end to our message today. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is join me in praying a prayer of commitment. A commitment to these seven promises as promise keepers. A commitment to pray for the men we know in our lives that they would step up and embrace these seven promises. And again, this is not like a bumper sticker you put on your car or you could affix them to your refrigerator if you wanted to. But these are, are seven guiding principles that will enlighten a man to understand what it means to be a devoted follower of Christ. And if we embrace them, I, I cannot help but believe the fruit of that decision will be better families and better marriages better businesses and better influence and a, and a pushing back of the gates of hell because we brought the light of heaven to our generation. I asked them to take that modified prayer and put it on the big screens behind me. So I'm going to invite you to step with me into an act of faith to, to together make this confession. Let us begin. Father, you are more precious to me than life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Forgive me when I have failed to be the father, a person you wish for me to be. Pour out your spirit upon me that I might boldly come to the throne of grace and find mercy and power in your presence to become a better man or person and father. Help me to embrace and pursue all seven promises of a promise keeper. Bow your heads. Father, I pray that there would be an anointing, a sealing of this message. Now, Father, I, I freely confess that this is not a message that, that uh, I've thought about every day of my adult life, but God, I know that the principles have guided me. And I pray, God, that they would, they would guide others this morning. As we go from this place, help us to remember them. I pray for those in the online family, God, that are watching this morning. I pray blessings over them. And we thank you, God, that the culture that we're creating here, though it be counter to what is around us, will not be a condemning culture, but an embracing and an empowering and a transforming and a loving community, because that is your desire. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.